After reviewing the play, the call on the ice stands. We got to go. Okay, fellas, we are set to go. Let's go. We are kicking. Watch the blue. There we go. Yeah, baby. Hey, you got the power play. Get out of here. Hey. 36, right here for the rock. Both guys, five minutes each for fighting. Hey, hey. We're not doing this. I don't want to babysit all night. A little bit of nastiness today. Huh? Nothing good's coming out of this, big man. Have you seen this before? Yes, it's rule something, point something. He's not putting a stick in here. You keep your stick out of him. Here we go. Let's roll, boys. Let's go. Hey, 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 hey. Let's go. After further review, it's the Scouting the Refs podcast. Here's your hosts, Todd Lewis and Josh Smith. When you're ready, big guy. All right, guys, let's drop the puck. I think the goodwill of the holiday season is carrying over, Josh. We haven't had a suspension. We haven't had anybody fined. I think maybe there is goodwill toward man that's taking place. Yeah, maybe, dare I say, New Year's resolutions, but people starting off the new year with a new attitude and one that's keeping them out of the clutches of the NHL's Department of Player Safety. It's a fresh frame of mind. And and yes, if I, I think that would be good. I think the league would be very happy if the Department of Player Safety really didn't have anything to do for a while now. I think that would be good for everyone. Well, I mean, some may argue what they do and don't do on a day in and day out basis anyway. But uh, yeah, it would be nice. See, you're going it, down that you're trying to stir it up, aren't you? <laughs> I, knew, I knew that was going to happen. It's nice, though, to have them sitting there and the folks, you know, watching things and saying, you know what? It's a it's a good clean game. They're doing their jobs. The players are doing the jobs. The officials are player safety showing up, watching for those moments, and there aren't any. And that's what we want, right? Hopefully, all the fines and suspensions that happened in the first few months of the season, players have kind of figured it out, and they're starting off the new year in the right way. Fingers crossed that it continues. This is the Scouting the Refs podcast. Please make sure you follow our social channels. Get Josh at Scouting the Refs on Twitter and Instagram, at Todd Lewis Sports on Twitter and Instagram for me. Coming up on this week's episodes, as we said, the NHL players behaving themselves. Not one, but two goals called back against Team USA at the World Juniors. Conspiracy theories abound because of it. That's using your head, plus... How about an addition to the All-Star Game, Josh? You ready for this one? Oh boy, what do you have? We had our first batch of players that will be attending the NHL All-Star festivities in Florida announced the other day. It's taking place in South Beach, so, you know, there's going to be a lot of want and excitement about going for fans, for players. Fans, again, get the opportunity to fill out rosters by voting. They are expanding the use of Twitter this time. We got to get the fan vote to include the officials. If I recall, there was a bit of a campaign some years ago that found one John Scott attending the All-Star Weekend in Nashville. Do you think we could do something similar for one of the officials? Oh, that would be a wonderful thing to do. You know, it's a big honor for these guys who get selected. And we've seen the NHL recognize guys who had long, outstanding careers, some in their final year before retirement, others in times when the city is near their current hometown. So it it is an opportunity for the league to recognize those guys. But man, what a a great opportunity for the fans to be able to do it. I I know there's no love lost for some officials out there. And and most fans have guys they like or guys they don't like and a whole bunch of guys that maybe they don't know that well, which I think for some fans, that's the way they like it when they don't know the names of the officials. But I I think it's a (laughs) a great one, Todd, to, uh, to recognize some of the officials, to let the fans pick a favorite. And I I mean, I I can't see how they wouldn't pick Wes McCauley, obviously, for his 
mic skills and for his just the, the perception that he has and his personality right? they're so strong I, I i think there's plenty of other guys who should be recognized and hopefully will be when we find out which officials are working the game but yeah let's 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 give the fans a shot here and and boy i i thought you might be uh letting the fans <laughs> maybe they want to be a ref or maybe we can have players officiate but no it'd be it'd be nice to put this in the hands of the fans so once the, the the days open up for voting on Twitter, let's use the hashtag vote for Wes and send it <laughs> yes. in and let's let's see what we get. And I'm I, I'm all for that. But I think that the the officials could be included in some of the fan voting. I think it, it's fun. And when that's what the all star weekend should be about. It would be Macaulay can take his talents to South Beach and we can see which other guys go with him. And that, <laughs> that I think is where the voting would get interesting is which other guys would fans vote for to join Macaulay in Florida. Yeah, it would be fun. I, I saw a thing in a game the other day that I wanted to ask you about, and I'm, I'm just going to hit you with this, but it was it was a very interesting goal scored in the Washington Capitals Columbus Blue Jackets game. The puck was shot by Dylan Strom. It was deflected by a Blue Jackets player, and then it went off the helmet of Martin Fairvey and into the net. And I bring this up because we have had goals go off the noggin of players before, that were disallowed. Colin White from Ottawa had one, and of course the famous Andrew Shaw headbutt goal. How come this one counted, Josh, and those others didn't? Well, it just depends on how it's deflecting. With the Shaw headbutt, I mean, it was a brilliant play by Shaw, but he used his head to propel the puck into the net, and that's that's the part that's against the rules. If the puck deflects off of you, whether it's off your face, off your stick, off any part of your body, that's okay, but when you're using those parts of the body to direct the puck or propel the puck into the net, that's when we run into a problem. And uh, that that's not what happened here. So uh, I love the quote from Dylan Strome where he said he was looking at it and just thinking, please go in, just please go in. <laughs> so incidental contact is okay. Is that what you're saying? Oh, oh, that's those are some dangerous words that I think we're, we're going to get into shortly here okay. on the podcast. I'm, I don't want to get Incidental contact indeed. Yeah, okay. So let's get into that part of it now. Congratulations to Team Canada winners for the second straight year World Junior Hockey Championships. We did mention on last week's podcast that some of the rules in international hockey tournaments work differently than they do in the National Hockey League. And to keep that in mind, so during the semifinal game between Canada and Team USA, there were goals disallowed. Many watching voiced displeasure about the ruling. So I want to I want to deal with the easy one first, if, if we can, Josh. It was early in the third period. Team USA scored a goal that appeared to bring them within one of Team Canada. But the problem was this puck was covered and it was kind of a pickle stab move by the USA player that shoved the goalie and the puck and everything into the net. So this this one was a pretty easy call, correct? Yeah, I think so. And and this one, even under NHL rules, I think you, you would have had a hard time allowing this one because there was contact in the goal crease and the double IHF rulebook, much like the NHL rulebook, allows players to get a rebound. Both the goaltender and the attacking players have the opportunity to play a loose puck in the goal crease. And in those cases, incidental contact is allowed. But Rule 69.7, double IHF rulebook, says that you can't push the goaltender into the net with the puck. And certainly that's what happened here. I mean, we we could see, I, I, I like your your comment there of a, a pickle stab there. He's, he's <laughs> jabbing the guy in. And when you see the goaltender's body turn 45, 90 degrees on the play, and then the puck shoots in, it's clear that the puck was covered. You don't need a whistle to sound to call the play dead there. You know, we've had plenty of intent to blow plays. And when you've got the opportunity to take a look at it and you can review the situation, you see the play was covered, 
the attacking player for USA did push the goaltender's pad. That's what resulted in the puck going into the net. So this one was pretty straightforward. I think uh, it was unfortunate, this being the second goal being overturned in the game. I think that it was starting mm -hmm. to feel pretty heavy at that point. But when you look at it by itself, I think whether you're looking International Hockey or National Hockey League, this is one that, that was rightly waved off. Okay, credit to Bob Airy for the phrase pickle stabber, by the way. He was the <laughs> one that turned me on to it. There was another goalie interference call that really got everybody riled up. It would have tied the game at 3-3. There was momentum shifting back and forth in this game between Team USA and Team Canada. What happens is Luke Hughes fires the puck at the Canadian goal. The initial stop is made by the goaltender, Thomas Millage, and the puck is in the crease. Team USA forward Jackson Blake grabs the puck, turns, and slides it into the goal. Immediately, the Team Canada coaches are watching on the bench and they challenge for goalie interference. And the challenge is successful. The goal is disallowed. And this, of course, brought many calm, rational, and fact-based <laughs> arguments to Twitter. Am I correct? <laughs> I don't think calm, rational, fact-based arguments have had any place on Twitter. But holy cow, <laughs> did it blow up. Seriously, people people really lost their minds about this one. I mean, there were there were some epic video rants that people posted. It was it was pretty funny here. But give us the ruling as to why this was called goaltender interference and the goal is disallowed because the rules in the double IHF are a little bit different than they are in the NHL. Yeah, and that's what it comes down to. Not only is the rule slightly different, but the interpretation and the standard and the way it's applied internationally is a lot tighter than what we see in the National Hockey League. So you've you've got a situation where the puck's in the crease, it comes out of the crease, the player turns and fires the puck into the net. He was clearly in the crease. And, you know, we're not looking at a Brett Hall situation where you've got to skate in the crease here. That's not part of the rule book right now. But we do have a player who has established a significant presence in the crease and what the IIHF calls relevant contact. If an attacking player initiates relevant contact with a goalkeeper, incidental or otherwise, and a goal is scored, the goal will be disallowed. So the USA player's there. He's spinning around to get a shot off. It looks like his presence in the crease is preventing the goaltender, is preventing the goaltender from moving. Uh, it looks like he was able to get reset. He had a chance to make a stop. There did appear to be a bump on the goaltender's upper body there, but that's enough at the IIHF level and with their standards to have a goal disallowed. So it, it's that rule. It's rule 69, whether you're NHL or IIHF, but just know internationally the standard and the language are a little bit different. It's called a bit more tightly in international hockey. And, and that's why, as controversial as it was, I can see why this goal was disallowed. On the other side, if we were looking at this in a National Hockey League game, I think this might be considered incidental contact. That standard at the NHL level would not be enough. And I think you'd have a, a good goal at the NHL, but one that is not good in international hockey. So it's kind of a difference in the phrasing, as you mentioned, incidental contact, just an, uh, an almost accidental brush of one player against another as they are both trying to make a play or one is trying to make a play significant contact, I think, is often the phrase more applied in the National Hockey League. I, I, I actually kind of like the relevant contact phrase and just I'm trying to find the language that's more specific so that we can make this more of a it's a black or white uh, light switch on or off kind of call. Well, I think fans are, are frustrated because you're so used to watching NHL hockey and we know that there's always interpretation whether you like it or not, the double IHF standard is consistently applied when you've got a guy in the crease. I mean, 
I don't know if, if everyone knows this internationally, you, the officials can blow the play dead for a player physically just being in the crease. If he doesn't vacate, his presence in there is enough to draw a whistle. So they call it a lot more tightly. You don't look at as much leeway from a contact standpoint. So you might hate it. It might frustrate the heck out of you, especially in situations like this. But I would say that internationally, we're very consistent when you see the slightest bump the, any presence in the crease, you're looking at a, a greater likelihood of the goal being waved off. And, uh, you know, Kerry Fraser mentioned it. He was comparing it to some other plays, called it minor incidental contact, said the goalie recovered 99% of the time. This is ruled a goal. I agree at the NHL level. Internationally, I think we see that situations like this or where there's a presence in the crease, they're pretty consistent with it. So uh, from an interpretation standpoint, I, I don't know if fans would be more frustrated, but it is something that you can learn that, Plays like this are going to be disallowed, and it means more goals are going to be waved off, which we don't want, but it's it's pretty consistently called in the IIHF, but obviously not, uh, not in USA's favor this time around. I understand why they're a little more strict, if you will, in terms of calling this, because I think at, at the international level, especially, and these are junior players, they're, they're trying to prevent players grunting into it, one another and having goal mouth collisions. And this will certainly take care of that. Yep. And it's the same line of thinking that comes around some of the hitting where you have yeah. checks to the head that aren't necessarily illegal checks to the head in the National Hockey League, but the IIHF is calling any contact to the head. It's it's again, like you said, it's it's amateur hockey or it's juniors, it's under 20s, it's it's younger players that you you really want to protect them a little bit more. And I think that's the line of thinking that goes into how the rule book is called and how the case book is aligned to show what types of situations are going to be handled and how they're going to do it, which in this case is no goal. So fans should remember this for the world championships that will take place as well, because whether it's the uh, the pros that are going over world championships will have the same rules, correct? Absolutely. And it, it, it seems to be depending on what controversy comes up, there's always that that point of consternation where the rule book comes into play. And, and maybe it's that folks didn't realize the differences or you're just so used to watching hockey at the NHL level. It, it becomes ingrained of what you're what you're commonly seeing night in and night out. So there are definitely differences in the book and it's it's worth noting them when it comes time to uh, interpret the game or before you yell at the refs, <laughs> at least take a look at which book it is and which rule you're complaining about. <laughs> that, that, that would be helpful for everyone. Okay. Uh, we have some sticky messes to finish up here. And there's, <laughs> there, there are three pretty unique circumstances that you, that you sent me links to earlier today. Dallas and Anaheim, goal scoring sensation Trevor Zegris will not let something like having a broken stick deter his chance from getting a goal. So the the exuberant Ducks forward breaks his stick, but that's no problem because he grabs the stick out of the hand of the Stars player, Joel Kivaranta. And apparently, Josh, this is some sort of foul. This is not allowed in the National Hockey League. I can't believe that. <laughs> no, it was, uh, well, it was a great play. I mean, first of all, he was smart enough to drop the broken stick, so he didn't get penalized for that one. But once you've got the broken stick, you either play without a stick, you go to the bench, or you get one from a teammate. You can't take one from an opponent. And we've seen it happen before. We've seen Bobby Ryan score a goal with an opponent's stick, which, had it been detected by the officials, should have been a dead play and a penalty there. But no, you you can't pick up an opponent's stick off the ice, and you definitely can't take it out of their hands. So unfortunately, that you, you are penalized for playing with an opponent's stick. Two minutes for mugging, two minutes for stealing. What's the call here? Yeah, that one actually went in the books as an illegal stick. So I guess it's lumped under the same thing as when you've got the illegal curve or you've got a stick that's too long. Well, an opponent's stick is equally illegal. Make a better announcement in the building, though, if it was two minutes for mugging. I like it. 
Yeah. Okay, next up, Brad Marchand of the Bruins didn't agree with a no call on LA Kings forward Adrian Kempe, who took down Marchand. It was kind of an accidental trip. But the little ball of hate was jawing with the ref, slammed a stick a few times on the ice, got to the bench, slammed it a few more times, and got himself an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. What is the saying here, Josh? They always get the retaliation? Always get the retaliation and uh, always get the uh, the squeaky wheel here who was really squeaky. Ooh. And uh, the, you're, you're technically in unsportsmanlike conduct territory anytime you dispute an official's ruling. But one stick slam on the ice, three against the boards, then another one, and then another one. Yeah, I think he had certainly gone far beyond what the officials were going to let him get away with in this situation. So... The referees for the game, who were Frederick Lecouye and Furman South, they'd seen enough, sent him off. So uh, hopefully he got to cool off in the penalty box uh, quietly with his stick. And finally, Leon Dreisaitl of the Edmonton Oilers was having a bit of a disagreement with New York Islanders player Cal Clutterbuck near the benches. Linesman Ryan Galloway was moving in to try to keep this from escalating into something a little bit more serious. But Dreisaitl did not care for the shove that Galloway gave him. And unlike Michael Bunting of the Toronto Maple Leafs, who was assaulted by a linesman not, not too long ago, Drysaddle took offense to it and kind of gave Galloway a whack with his stick. And I am surprised there was no penalty or nothing came of this in the game. Yeah, I was as well. Uh, typically, when we see anything being applied to an official, whether it's pushing, shoving, just wrestling to get away, you're you're looking at one of those situations where you're going to the penalty box. And if you're penalized during the game, then that opens the door for your automatic suspensions under Rule 40 for three games or more for trying to get away from an official during an altercation or to enter an altercation. Without that penalty in the game, there's no automatic flag for anything coming down from hockey ops. So it doesn't look like anything's happening in this case, but he's lucky. Dreisaitl's lucky he got away with that one there. It wasn't anything major, but certainly something that the league does not want to see. The officials don't want to see. And I, I'm sure if there's no fine forthcoming that there's definitely a conversation about that because that definitely falls under line of physical abuse of officials. Certainly does. And I, I, again, I don't think, like you said, there was any real malice from Leon Dreisaitl. I think it was just like, get out of the way. I'm, we'll handle this ourselves. And he didn't want the official getting in the middle of it. No, and I think, you know, you can be frustrated and there's certain leeway for player on player contact, but the officials can't be held to that same standard. They're not players. They're not hitting each other out on the ice. They're not competing in the game. They do have to maintain some semblance of order on the ice. So you do have to give them that respect and you certainly can't deliberately apply physical force in any manner like Dreisaitl did in this case. So I think he, he dodged one there, but yeah, uh, there's a different standard for players than there are for officials and there absolutely needs to be. So he'll, he'll be reminded of that, certainly. I'm sure because, you know, we want this, you know, goodwill to continue long into the 2023 year where we haven't had any suspensions, we haven't had any fines or, or anything like that. Of course, now that we've talked about it, that <laughs> yes. may really mess things up, don't you think? We're going to look like the factory who's got, there have been this many days without an NHL suspension. <laughs> we've got to go up and cross it off. We're done! Good job! You're good, my book. Good stuff, man. Way to work. Yeah, we're good, man. Too long. Let's go sit for a couple. Get in the box. It's the Scouting the Refs podcast. Read more at scoutingtherefs.com. Follow Scouting the Refs on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Scouting the Refs. Email the show at heyref at scoutingtherefs.com. Subscribe, share, and keep those sticks down. Okay.
Speed on. That's good play.